Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to another podcast where, as always, I'm joined by none other than Terry McAllister. We'll be starting off, as usual, on this show with the Extra Time segment, where we're going to look back on our satisfying 2-1 win over Leicester City. Then, following Everton's release of the new Hummel home strip ahead of the 2020-21 season, Terry and I are going to do a bit of a kit review, if you like, and we're going to dissect the inaugural Hummel Everton kit. And then we'll be joined by Thomas Robertson later on to look ahead to our upcoming Monday night fixture against Tottenham Hotspur in another match preview segment. As you know, the segments are separate videos on YouTube, so I'm going to introduce them respectively as we move on. So without further ado, we'll crack on. We'll get straight into it with another chance to go over Wednesday's win against Leicester. Welcome to the extra time segment for Everton 2, Leicester City 1. Everton, like I said yesterday, make it seven points out of nine. Wasn't done the easy way, nonetheless. It was a very Everton performance in that respect. And I've got Terry with me to run the rule over it. But what did you think of the game, Terry? It was a game of two halves, to use that cliche, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. It was a it was a not a stress free watch. It was very a it was hard on the uh, the blood pressure to watch it, I've got to be honest, because I was nervous all the way from about 30 minutes onwards, you say it was a game of two halves. I felt like it was in three blocks of half an hour and we had the better of the first half an hour and then we just offended for the second half an hour and the, the last half hour. But three points is all that matters and, and another good performance from Carlo Ancelotti and the defensive nobody else in the team because defensively we were excellent again and the substitutions absolutely changed the game and it was strange watching an Everton team in recent times, having good game management, which is what we had with those substitutions. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'd have been the only one when Leicester scored. He was absolutely shaking with nerves, wondering what the next worst case scenario could be, given what we've already experienced against Newcastle this season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not to say you know those things can't happen again, but. It, it was very refreshing and sign of a very good change that we didn't just collapse after that goal. How many times in the last couple of seasons have you seen Everton concede in that scenario or in that fashion and um, concede another one straight away and then they're on the back foot then clinging on to a point to the game they were winning. Um, really, really good performance from the whole back four again. Pickford not as good this time. He had like a, a yeah, 10 definitely minute. not. I think yeah, like a ten minute spell where he was causing absolute panic in the back, but uh, you know, thankfully wasn't punished for it. I think it was I think I gave him a bit of a vote of confidence. It was on one of our shows last weekend and I'm saying he's been, he's been quite mature since the restart and he's been le- less erratic and been a lot more composed and stopped pulling stupid faces and stuff and he seems to just like go back on all of that in that in that sort of ten minute spell you're on about, which is you know, it's a it's a bit annoying now. I've got a bit of egg on my face now, so Thanks for that, Jordan. It didn't cost us in the end. And, you know, any any keeper can make a mistake, but it's not even the mistakes. So, as much as Pickford, it's his attitude like, towards them. He laughs when he near costs us goals. And it's just like, come on, mate. You do realize, get a grip. You make this. Yeah, Gary Neville's given, um, criticized them before for that. Laughing when he's, you know, he's made a, a big error and he's just going to stop funny. And it isn't funny, but 
thankfully Michael Keane was on hand to spare his blushes because you know obviously he got away with that one and obviously got the results. So it can, you know yeah, it's easy to be very forgiving when uh, when you've won, isn't it? It is, yeah. But let's just make sure it doesn't happen again. But unfortunately, with Jordan Pickford, it seems like it it will happen again because it's just his nature. He seems to laugh at his errors. <laughs> just uh, but yeah, Michael Keane again. I think Sky gave him the man of the match, and I, I think I wouldn't turn my nose up at that because it was another fantastic display from him, wasn't it? Yeah, he's been brilliant since he came back. He was only just edged out for the man of the match against Liverpool by I think it was Mason Holgate. But he, yeah. he was he was probably second for man of the match that game. He got the man of the match against Norwich and he was man of the match this game. He's been our top performer since we came back. Oh no, I tell a lie, it was Coleman against um, Liverpool, was wasn't Coleman, it? Yeah. yeah, which is fair enough. But uh, Michael Keane over the three games has just been absolutely excellent. So probably to the surprise of a few people, certainly myself, I I'd, I'd got to the point where I thought Michael Keane may have been you know, you know, Sam and Everton may have been coming to an end. You know, two years left on his contract, and you know, we're getting linked with other other central defenders. But he's he's been brilliant since we, since the restart. You know, obviously we've had three games where we've had to defend a lot more than than we would have liked. Like you know, Liverpool and Leicester at home. Obviously, they're not your typical home games, which we're playing against very very good attacking teams with very very good forwards. And then obviously away from home, we've got that sort of workmanlike performance against Norwich. So. The games have suited them, but he's been absolutely fantastic, and you know all credit to him. Yeah, it was another great defensive display, in spite of the first goal we conceded since the restart, which was an interesting one, wasn't it? I mean, it was a a half yeah. back to I, I don't know, it was a half back to Marco Silva a little bit. That wasn't it, just kicking the ball in off someone's head. It was a the kind of goal where normally you'd say, "Oh, typical Everton," but Thankfully, we didn't capitulate, like you say. And you know, we'll go back into the first half and we'll look at a few positives. Let's let's say because we we actually did start the game pretty well. I mean, Leicester had most of the ball, but we were very dangerous on the counter attack, weren't we? Yeah. Well, we seem to have um, set ourselves up like that now. Um, obviously, it might you know we get even better when we get better players to execute it. But given you know, the players that Carlos got, I think. You know, defending resolutely and trying to hit on the break with our, you know, our forwards who are very good, you know, very quick forwards who can, you know, connect well together. That seems to be how we get most of our joy. So the first goal, really good. Uh, you know, Luca Dean does really well to keep it in, not just keep it in, but he, you know, that, that header is almost perfectly weighted and perfectly placed into the path of uh, Anthony Gordon. Obviously, you know, finally. Gets a chance to show what he can do going forward because every you know every time he's played since the restart he's been you know having to do a defensive job first and foremost. Whereas in this game he got to get on the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, brilliant cutback and then Richarlison. You know, bet your life. You know, one it finished doesn't doesn't miss does he? Great goal and just just a great great flowing move. It was nice to certainly go and get the assist and obviously Richarlison opens his account for, um, for the restart. Yeah, it was great. And obviously, we have to touch on uh, he picked up a knock, knock with Charleston, didn't he? And he went off. And obviously, I think that told we struggled a bit when he went off. But how serious is it? I think Carlo said that it's not too bad. Yeah, he said it's just a knock. He should be all right for, for Monday, I think. So he said in the, in the post match, which is good. 
you know, obviously a player as important as him just wrap up and cotton wool, don't have him doing anything, you know. Yeah, you know, one, one of the players we cannot afford to, you know, be without. I know we've got Moise Keane there, so it's not like we haven't got a body who could come in, but, you know, he'd have to play like he did against Newcastle for every game, if in order to give us what Richarlison gives us. You know, if that carries on, we might have to bring the ass back on a, on a short-term contract. Uh, Why not? Uh, but um, then let's touch on the, the other massive talking point of this game. Everton actually got a penalty in the Premier League. I mean, the, the 38 games since the last one, so nearly half a full season of, of fixtures before we got given another penalty. one. And uh, they, they, they had a good long look. They were trying their best not to get it to us, weren't they? Mm. <laughs> but... Um, but we got it, and um, oh, guilty Sigurdsson! If he does that in a packed Goodison, it gets saved. He wouldn't get out alive. Oh it, my it god! Was, it was a poor penalty. I mean, as poor as one that goes in the neck can be. He, he just sort of tamely hits it down the middle, which is great if, um, if it goes in like it did. But you know, if the keeper saves that with his feet, oh, he'd have been oh, he'd have been a marked man. But um, yeah, the first penalty, and you know feels like in colour television um, and we scored it so uh, you know 2-0 lead commanding you know obviously I don't think many people would have expected that going into the game to you know go no, ahead no. so I don't well then the rest of the game was just a case of protecting what we've got obviously outside of the you know the unfortunate um, mistake by Holgate we did well I, I can't think of very many chances good chances um, that Leicester created for themselves. Obviously, they had a lot of possession, a lot of good possession. They had, you know, we had a few frights, but often it was Pickford doing it himself or uh, Holgate bashing it against one of their players. Um, Madison, when he came on, changed the whole game. You know, he's a great player. He came on and he just ran rampant. It was, it took Ancelotti to make the change. You know, he brought Richarlison off. And put Tom Davies on. It wasn't a case of just Tom Davies going to do a man marking job on Madison because he didn't, but he went and marked that half space that Madison was floating about in in front of the back four. So every time Madison was on the ball, he didn't have Tom Davies wearing him like a coat. He had Tom Davies right in his way wherever he wanted to carry the ball to. So he had to, he had to give it and go. And, and he really did a good job of nullifying his effectiveness. But the changes by. Yeah. Leicester did really, you know, give them the impetus, but then Carlo Ancelotti earned his money, he, he nullified that his changes sort of like cancelled out their changes and you know, Madison didn't have as good a game once Davies came on and Ian Acho um, was getting a lot of joy because he obviously had a lot more energy, Vardy was terrible wasn't he, but he had a lot more energy a lot more better movement than Vardy, but then when Mina came on, he found Found Ian actually was drifting out of the game. Yeah, I think Carlo Ancelotti deserves a hell of a lot of credit for getting us over the line in that game because those were very brave decisions that you know for a fact that a lot of our previous managers would not have made. No, I definitely not. I mean, he's really good at game management. It's obviously come from being at the bigger clubs so his whole career he, he recognises when things are going wrong this is something that we've not really had in, in not just Marco Silver and a lot of our previous managers Moises getting criticised for that at um, West Ham is that he, you know, he's terrible with the substitutions he never makes enough and you know, when he does they're too late Carlo make, has made the changes in these games 
he hasn't made a lot of changes. Maybe that's something that um, you know he doesn't think is appropriate considering the squad he's got and the lack of depth. But he's made the key changes when it matters, and he's positively affected the games each time in our favour. Yeah, it's, it, it's these are the times when you know the, the sort of difference in levels of a manager, and I think we've got one of the best now, and that, that's. Pretty much going to, I think that could earn us another six or seven points between now and the end of the season if you include what we've already done. And well, this is the thing is that um, Carlo, Carlo's greatest strength might be might be able to cancel out the Everton that factor. Like, like when we conceded our goal and we were under the cosh, you know, it, everyone I think felt we're about to Everton this right up. Yeah, and well, Carlo, Carlo just sort of like, you know nullified that completely it's like no 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 no. we're not doing this we're not conceding quick fire goals and surrendering a two goal lead I'm going to make changes and change the shape and and take the game back out of their hands it was very very refreshing to see because it's not something like you say we've not experienced that kind of composure for a long long time and oh my god it's a good feeling isn't it you know I didn't think Everton had it in them to see a game out like that no, I know. I mean, it's it's good to, you know, we're going into these games now against, because let's be honest, like, you know, former sides, currently Leicester are better than us and Liverpool certainly are better than us, but it's good to go into these games against the better teams at the minute and not think, oh, we'll be lucky to get anything here. You know, like we're going in with genuine, you know, you know, with a genuine view that we can we can get results in these games. And the next step now is to, is to start putting away the teams who are, who are you know, not as good as us, and they do the low block themselves, and just want to counter. We haven't had you know much opportunity for that. Obviously, we had Norwich away, and you know it was a very but not as well playing for the three points because they needed to stay up. Which... Yeah, it, it, it's it's you know it's it's a gradual process, and a, you know the signs so far are good from Carlo. Like you know, good good since the restart. Got to build on that now. You know we've got a um, is it Tottenham or Wolves? Spurs next. You know, like obviously that that's no, you know, that's not easy because they've got a good manager as well. Um, in Jose Mourinho, I don't think he'll be um, he'll be caught caught napping quite like Rodgers was. But um, yeah, I mean, we've got to put ourselves right in the mix for that Europe conversation. Now that can change game on game, but if you keep winning, keep getting good results, then you're right in the mix. We, you know, we, we it's not an unrealistic shout now to think we're in we're in there. You know. Like, Bad result for somewhere else, and a good result for us can change it dramatically. It's very, very tight outside the uh, the top two. No, yeah, it's up for grabs, isn't it? I mean, just before we finish, uh, we, we talked about Tom Davis before. I thought he was great in the derby, and then he was absolutely horrific in the Norwich game. I thought he come on and did brilliantly yesterday. Yeah, he did. He did a good job for what he was, you know, asked to do him. Um, this is the thing with Tom, he's always been a bit like this, hasn't he? Like, he'll have, you know, a few good games, a few bad games, then a few good games and a few bad games. Or, like, you know, he's never got any consistency. And that's just something he needs, you know, to work on. But, you know, the the examples are there. Like, at the start of the season, not many people would have thought that at the end of the season, we'll look upon Calvert-Lewin and Holgate as two of our absolutely nailed-on starters and two of our strongest players. But here we are, you know, like a year later, and that's what they are. And like, so it's not to say every young player can do that, but it shows that it, you know, it can turn around very quickly 
for a young player. So Tom Davis has got the opportunity now, especially in these these last you know run of games before the transfer market opens, and we are going to be buying centre midfielders. At least you'd hope so. He's got to say, right, I need to absolutely smash it in these games, and I can make myself you know an option in that middle of the pitch. Now, if he plays well in the rest of the games, then you'll just look at that Norwich game as like an anomaly. But if he plays poorly against Spurs, then comes back and plays well again the next game, it'll show he's he's not ready. And you know, obviously, he might not be looked at or trusted as one of the options for centre midfield. But if you can put a run of performances together now to go along with Leicester and Liverpool, then you know he's in that mix. Um, it's it's right there for him. Same way with Holgate. Holgate made the most of his opportunity when we didn't get Zuma. Davies needs to do the same now. Definitely. And one more. So in focus, if you like, Calvert-Lewin. He was isolated after the Charleston went off and he still doesn't half put a shift in, doesn't he? The ultimate team player, isn't he? Like He hasn't yeah. had much in the way of opportunities since um, he came back. Um, obviously, that owes a lot to the, you know, the way that the performance of the whole team. You know, we've been playing, you know, very, you know, defensively and set back and, and you know, trying to hit on the counter. And then yesterday when he might have got a little bit more joy, you know his his strike partner went off, so he found himself on his own. But it doesn't it doesn't affect him. You know he, he's he's still working hard. He's still putting in the yard, so he can he can do both. Like I'd like him to get a goal in the next few games, not for our sake because we're still playing well, but more for his sake. You know just to get his confidence um, back up. But um, yeah, can't criticise him. He's not you know he he could have done maybe better with the header against Liverpool, but you know he's worked hard every single game. And he's contributed to what were good team performances in each game um, towards getting the results. Because if you you know if he's not busting a gut every game, then the defense might find itself you know crack under 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 pressure. He's he's the first defender in a lot of cases, and I think he's uh, he's you know he's really really helped us out, especially in this game. He was flopping himself like you know as we were defending in that last half an hour. But we'll have to reiterate this because just for the, maybe some Liverpool fans out there, uh, he's not a defensive striker, is he? <laughs> if if defensive strikers are a thing, I think he is one. But um, not 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 bad for a defensive striker. He's got thirteen goals this season. No, no, not at all. But um, he's he'll he'll have easier games like the. the when he's up front on his own, he's he's not gonna he's not gonna score the goals. He's just not because if you you know his his stats don't bear that out. Like he, he's great at he's great at everything you know except dribbling past players. I think he's got one of the worst stats for dribbling past players in the whole league, and that's because it's not his it's not his forte. I don't know whether he hasn't got the ability or he hasn't got the confidence to pick up the ball and go past someone. But if you get players up and around him to work with. Little, you know, one twos around the corner, balls crosses in, he will score goals. But playing that, you know, lone front man, he's not gonna, he, he won't fashion himself his own chances. That's that's more of Charlison's, uh, the Charlison's department. So if we can get them back together in the next game, then you know, hopefully the goals will come for him. Definitely, I mean, that's what we've got to look at going forward now is uh, to try and keep the good form going because I don't think. When when we I think we remember us talking about this when before the season we started and I was very scared about how this team might function without fans, but to get you know two wins out of three, seven points out of nine, you cannot argue with that really. No, not at all. It's it's I I always wondered 
you know, is the crowd's anxiousness and angst like a problem for the players? And the only one you could definitely say anything to is like it clearly has helped Moise Key, um, Michael Keane. Yeah. Michael Keane plays a lot better without the crowd. So maybe we don't, maybe we shouldn't go back and we'll defend, we'll defend like um, the AC Milan teams of old every time. That's it. Maybe our fortunes are beginning to turn. <laughs> oh my god, I, I, I missed that shout though. I'll be honest. I just that's that's the one thing you just want want to get back in the ground today. That for the first time again. It's crazy. It's just so beautifully scouts, isn't it? And I mean, there you go, guys. That's um, Everton two, Leicester City one. Let us know how we thought the game went. We've just seen the new kit for the first time. Like I say, it's the first ever Everton kit to be released by Hummel and also the first to bear the Kazoo sponsorship on the front as well. Uh, what do you think about this one, Terry? It's not a bad effort. First time first time around for Hummel with Everton and they've done us proud, I think, with that one. It's not bad at all, is it? No, I'm um, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm still looking at it now. It's it's brilliant. Like I'm a big fan of it. I'm I'm more I'm of the opinion that less is more. Like, you know, simple like, you know, sort of simple design, simple effects. I'm a big fan of it. So, obviously, let's have a look at it. We've got, you know, it's blue. Imagine that. A <laughs> um, few little notes of detail. We've obviously got the chevrons for white chevrons down the um, down the sleeves. Um, white trim at the end of the sleeves, which is nice. Not too much, though. Like, you know, the, the Nike one of years gone by where big, massive white bars. It's only a very oh, no, small that, trim. That was grim. The... Um, but bear in mind, was the Hummel have used their Bumblebee logo rather than just the words? Yeah, I think both, both of us were being proper sad cases over this the last couple of days where <laughs> I mean, we were like, we'd better use the B logo instead of just writing Hummel on it. And it's like, it does... Yeah, add, I don't know. It, no adds, another, it adds another level of class to it, I think, having a... having the, the, the actual B logo on it as well. And I think I think it's it looks brilliant. It's Like you say, yeah, I think it's a... For a first effort from Hummel, it's one of the best kits we've had in years, if you'd ask me. Yeah, definitely. It's certainly my favourite since, well, probably about my favourite you know, ever kit, which is... um Mardes' second, second season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody it's does the, it. The Navy Socks year, basically. That that was my favourite kit that we've had, and this is my favourite since then. Um, just on the socks. The socks are white, they're not Navy, so we're, the Walton, over there. we're back to the Bolton white socks. Yeah, um blue, white, white for the shirts, shorts and socks combo. Um, next, uh, a round neck uh, with like a little, it's like a, almost like a V, but tiny little like detail. It's not like a V like we've had before. It's just a round neck with like a, a sort of stitching detail that goes down into a, into a small V. And then obviously they've got like that, um, I don't know, what would you call it? Almost like pinstripe effect. Pinstripe, on the like a neck. diagonal pinstripe in it, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's very subtle. It's not a, it's not very obvious, but um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Very, very classy, very simple it's design. But it's it's good. a very, very Everton. It's an iconic Everton kit that I think it's a, it's it's like the subtle kits of old, and it? it's like like you say, less is more. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 very happy with it. Um, I think Hummel obviously have got no track record with it with Everton, and they were the only club in the Premier League who've got Hummel but I think that will be one of the nicer kits of the year it's very 
very nice. I mean, you've seen some of the mad things that Hummel have done. Sorry, I keep looking at the kids on my phone off screen. If you wonder what I'm looking at, I'm, I'll be, I'm really happy with it. I'm a big fan of it. I'm obviously a bit of a, a kickball, you know, like the, I don't wear them because they don't do them in sizes that fit our players, but uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of, uh, of what it looks like. It's, it's, a, um, it's a little interesting, man, and I think that is one of the nicest kits we've had for a long time. That's probably my favourite for... I mean, I, I like the man as a second season, but that's one of the best I can recall, to be honest with you. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I think it's, to be honest, I'll just I'll come out and say, I think it probably just it's up there with that. It's probably on level playing field because I am really happy with that. Obviously, the Kazoo logo, it's, you know, doesn't I, I, take up. I think the Kazoo logo suits it. A, I think it's a massive upgrade on Sport Peasant when you look at the kit. Yeah, it's not. It's not you know vastly different. This poor peasant's still just the white logo across the chest, but it's um, it looks more like a real company now. It looks more like a logo. Whereas <laughs> poor peasant looked like you know someone had just knocked it up um, in like ten seconds on on you know MS Paints, didn't it? Yeah. But yeah, big fan of it. Big fan of it. Like you know, it's top marks for Hummel for the first kit of the um, of their deal, and I'm really happy with that. Yeah, it's, I think they've done a fantastic first effort there. I know, you know, it's so easy to... I think when people saw we were getting Hummel, I think a lot of people were fearful of maybe the overusing the chevrons or maybe something a bit like the Denmark kit with a different shade. I think they've been really, really subtle and I think it's incredibly classy from them. I think every, yeah. every element of this kit is absolutely spot on. I think I don't think they yeah. could have done much better. No, I'm I'm the same. It's it's a ten out of ten for me for Hummel. So uh, long may that continue into the into the away kit, the third kit. Obviously, we've not touched on the goalkeeper kit, which is a it's light a green. green. It's a light green, yeah. And it's got, if you look closely, a design on it which accurately you know represents what your heart rate does when Pickford's having one of his uh, <laughs> one yeah. of his games. I mean, it, this is that's a nice kit as well. It's obviously that's. Not too loud, but it's more in the the sort of like the funky Hummel like departments where they've got like you know strange prints and all that. That's what they've done here, but not gone over overboard with it. But yeah, that is that is the, the Jordan Pickford kit. It, it completely hits it, that's your heart rate kit. That, that that's definitely uh, watching Pickford trying to catch across that in it. That's what my heart is um, in the last game when he uh, when Michael, Michael, Keane, Michael Keane had to clear it off the line. <laughs> but yeah, honest, I'm, I'm, honest to God, I think they've absolutely smashed it off the park there. I, I, I wasn't expecting it to be that like spot on. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. Obviously, I, I, you get that um, sort of, you know, worry that oh, I hope the kit's not terrible because you've got to look at it all year. But that that is really nice. I'm a big fan of that. I'm a, I'm a massive fan of that. I might be uh, putting me hand in my pocket for that one actually. To very very good. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm pretty frugal normally, but this is a very nice kit, and I might just get that one because. Might even inspire me, inspire me to lose a bit of weight so I can wear it. I don't know. Could be a lifesaver. That. Tell you what, though, Hummel, like you know, they've, they've been brilliant with the fans as well, haven't they? On Twitter and doing yeah. it, and I think it's all been worth it in the end with this because. You know, it's got out all the fans have been anticipating and they've actually delivered. It's it, it's it's brilliant to see. And the, it seems like the relationship between Hummel and the fans is better than anything we ever had with any of our previous kit suppliers. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. 
So yeah, I think it, so far, as far as you know, fan interaction, and then of course the the new kits are concerned. I think it's a ten out of ten for Hummel, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, if anyone does want to buy it, what can they uh, what can they do, James? Uh, it's it's up for pre-order today, isn't it? Yeah, available for pre-order today. And what code can they put in if they do go near pre-order today? Yeah, it's it's Toffee Blues ten, which you can get a discount courtesy of Toffee Blues if you yeah you put in the, it's it's all in caps Toffee Blues ten. I think that gets you. So 10, if you go, I think it's ten percent off, isn't it? Yeah, ten percent off if you put Toffee Blues ten in um, as the promo codes when you either pre-order or order it. Um, you know, just give a little uh, little little shave off the price, which would be quite nice, wouldn't it, if you're going to buy it and. Let's be honest, why wouldn't you buy it? It's easily our nicest kid for a long term. Yeah, I mean, I'll certainly be making the most of it. Definitely. I mean, no no, um, no way jet on training shorts with tips, but I'm, I'm looking intently. I mean, it makes you wonder, though, you know, Hummel have been made a beautifully classy and quite understated Everton kit, the way we love our home kits. You've got, you've got, you've got to expect that they've saved a bit of eccentricity for these away kits now, haven't you? Oh yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my thought. It, the home kits have got to be classy, simple, but you can go you can go mad with the away kits for, for me. I, I'm all for a name, a jazzy away kit. I mean, just stop short of that 97, 98 away kit. I just don't want that yellow and blue stripe one with one to one on again. That was just unbearable. <laughs> You've jinxed it now. That's exactly what we're gonna get. That's exactly what we're gonna get. But, um, yeah. but instead, it's gonna be chevrons. But um, honest to God, though, I don't think anyone could have expected them to like do this well from the at the first go. They've blown pretty much everything Umbro or Lecoq or anybody have done for quite yeah, some time. He's... It's an absolutely brilliant effort and full marks to Hummel. I think it's hopefully yeah, the start absolutely. of a really good uh, relationship with the Danes. I think it's. Uh, very, very pleasant surprise to instantly look at an Everton kit and go, hell yeah, I might actually buy that. Nice star. <laughs> yeah, nice star. It's like, literally the Everton reaction to every everything, which is, well, every, everything these days, it seems like maybe things are finally heading in the right direction. Maybe if the kit improved, the massive improvements in the kit can lead to a massive improvement on the pitch, you never know. Well, one thing at a time, eh? Uh, baby steps. Welcome to the match preview segment for Everton's next Premier League game, which is an away game at Tottenham in their new stadium, whatever the hell it's called. Um, that's on Monday night. To look ahead to that, I've got Terry and Thomas alongside me. We'll get straight into the meaty stuff, save for maybe if anyone wants to tell me what the name of Spurs' new stadium is. Just like Tottenham. the news. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. Just Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. stadium. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're looking for a naming rights deal but obviously that'll have been put on the back burner because of uh, the pandemic or what have you but they, they built it without the names sold off but I think it is for sale Ah okay So as for now it's just the poor man's Bramley Mall dock yeah <laughs> what, I've heard, what I've heard it's meant to be an unbelievable stadium but um, yeah, no name, frankly. I'd imagine just the Everton Stadium be a bit naff, wouldn't it? Like, I mean, yeah. I know people, some people might like that goal, rather have that than 
you know, USM Arena, which is probably what ours is going to be. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but you don't get any money for calling at the Everton Stadium and money's the name of the game, innit? That's it, yeah. I mean, if only you could sponsor yourself. I mean, it's not like we're totally doing that anyway. <laughs> if only, yeah, if only you could do that. I know. Like, the, like put megaphone on the side of your um, training kits and on the uh, the training ground, which only staff and players see. It's gonna, yeah. you know, sponsor the canteen to the tune of a few million as well soon. I think. Yeah. <laughs> nah, nothing wrong with that if you ask me. Perfectly. Perfectly, perfectly coached. Right, we'll get straight into the match preview anyway. Thomas, we'll start with you. How would you feel going into this game against Spurs? Uh, I'm a lot more confident after last night, obviously, because at the time recording was the Sheffield United game, and they looked awful. After the VAR decision went against them, Spurs heads just massively dropped. I thought their defender was abysmal. I think it's the second goal where someone squared it to Robinson. I think it was in the middle of Mousset. And there was just there was no one tracking him at all. And it looks a bit almost like you know, like kind of end of Marco Silva-esque. And I think if we can just get on top of them and get an early goal as we did against Leicester, we'll be comfortable to be fair. I think before that, uh, Spurs had they'd had a decent start, obviously a draw uh, against United, then beating West Ham, which is obviously a big game for them. But then the capitulation last night, I just think shows they're basically as fragile mentally as we used to be pretty much before Ancelotti. So I think if we get an early goal, I think as it showed last night, they'll kind of capitulate. And I think we could control the game from there, especially with obviously our, our newfound kind of defensive ability, which we never used to have. Certainly. What do you think, Terry? Do you think we could maybe edge this one? I know we're not great away from home normally, but we won the last away game, albeit against the bottom team. Tottenham will be a tougher task than that, you'd imagine. But, you know, like, like Thomas has just said, they're no great shape themselves at the moment. Do you think we, we can win this one? Yeah, I definitely think we can. I'm, I'm not usually confident going into games. I wouldn't say I'm going into this one thinking, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll win this one. But we seem to be playing them at the right time because they're in the middle of their um, their Jose show, aren't they, where you know, he's fighting with players publicly and he's calling them out and he's picking on one player in particular and, you know, the results are going against them, you know, and you, you wonder whether the players are trying to get rid of them and all the circus which is sort of comes with the, the latter-day Jose Mourinho, we're playing them right in the middle of that. Doesn't mean they haven't got good players, doesn't mean, you know, they can't score goals and haven't got a vastly, you know, better central midfield than we have. All those things won't change just because they're... Um, at war with their own manager, it seems. But, it, you know, when it comes to the narrative of the Premier League, these are the type of games that you'd, you'd go into and think, you know, I could see us getting a result here, see us winning no drawing and, you know, coming away. And then Jose's under more pressure and he's kicking off in the press conference afterwards and, and all that. So I, I, if you're going to play a team with players as good as Tottenham, you want it to be while they're at war with themselves, which I think they very much are. I think you spoke there about the narrative of the Premier League and how often, you know, these kind of scenarios can come about where you can pile the pressure on an already under fire manager. But too often the narrative in the past has been Everton going into games where they think they can stake a claim and never deliver. Could could, could it be different this time with Ancelotti in charge and the like like Thomas said, the more defensive steel maybe that we've got nowadays? Yeah, I mean Baby steps, you couldn't turn around and say, well, We've got this good manager now, so you know, we're not gonna we don't bottle things anymore. Like we, you know, we still the same players, you know, you've still got that in you, but 
we can start, you know, hopefully see the, the green shoots of um of progress. You know, we finally, finally, finally got a good manager, not like a novice manager or an um, you know, a genuine manager. You know, he's an actual quality manager, and that could be the thing that we needed to start to edge away and move away from this like mentality problem we've got. Look at the look at the Leicester game. We were really unlucky to concede. We were playing really well defensively, all doing our job. Same as with Liverpool. Um, Mason Holgate missed time, missed times his um, attacking the ball. He goes to smash it clear, hits it right against the face of the opposition striker, goes in the net. You you know, nine times out of ten previously we crumble there and go on to concede another in quick succession, and then probably go on to lose that game without a shadow. Yeah, definitely. Carlo Ancelotti addressed the problem when he saw the team starting to wobble, brought, you know, made tactical changes, changed the personnel, and we weathered the game out. So we, that nous is going to be very important if we're going to get results away. You know, we don't get many away results in general. So to get one at a at a you know top six, like everyone says traditional top six, well the traditional top six includes Everton, so I don't know what's traditional about it, but a we don't get results away at the Sky Six. Even I've, stopped, to go I've stopped calling it the top six now. I just call it the establishment. Yeah, just the Sky Six. It's it, the, the six teams, even though they're not the six teams this season and, you know, haven't been for a while. We don't get results against those teams, though, away from home. Even going all the way back to Moyes, I've never, you know, I've never seen us be strong away from home in the Premier League against these, you know, which what are better clubs and better teams, but it has to start. It has to end somewhere, and, and why not now? It has to start getting better. Yeah, I think th- this is the opportunities that we need to take, especially in away games without fans. I think this, these are the times where you really want to claim these kind of scalps because you're not as quite not a quite as much of a disadvantage as you might be normally. I think I think it's definitely a, the opportunity. To end those runs, when did we last beat a top six team away from home or an established six? Must have been United, wasn't it, with Brian O'Hara go? That's well, last one. Seven years ago, ago, that. Yeah, so. Mm. But I think, I mean, there's been so many opportunities over the years for us to break it, really. And we haven't. Like We're still in this position. But to be fair, I think as opportunities go, you know, they're in disarray. You know, the players don't seem to be playing for the manager. Obviously, he's done the classic. Yeah, as, as Terry said, single out one player. You know, it's Luke Shaw at United now. It's unknown belly at Spurs. I think if there was ever a time to play them, it would be now. And uh, I, I, I'm quietly confident. I, I, I don't know how like actually quiet I am in my confidence, but like I definitely think that if there was, if there has to be a time, because I mean, this record can't go on forever. I mean, if it's seven years, if if we're like actually remembering rightly, then it has to end at some point, and especially now because. Away games have always been a problem for us, but obviously there's no fans there now. That makes probably a massive difference, especially, you know, we've seen players like Michael Keane who have kind of transformed themselves with, like, you know, no one on his back, like, every game. So I think almost like away and home form seems to kind of go out the window at the moment because, you know, there's no fans there. There's, there's no one else kind of... There's no such thing as home and away form, but there's just form. And yeah. our form is better than Spurs going into this. Which yeah, is hopeless. because I think it was... Go on, sorry, Thomas. It's just because I think there was the Bundesliga stat, wasn't there, where it was only like 20% of the home teams had like won their game since the restart. Like I just, I think that just shows if there's ever time to actually like break this dog that we've got, it, it has to be now when 
there is no fans and there's, there's no such thing as a home advantage. It's also our last game against one of the established six this season. It's This is our last opportunity to do it. This might be our only opportunity to do it without fans in the ground. So it's a, it's a massive game. And let's not forget, I think Spurs lost to Sheffield United. If we win, we go above Spurs. So that's an incentive in itself. And that should really motivate the fans. Sorry, motivate the players, if you ask me. If there was ever a game which was kind of like pivotal to kind of if we do want to get Europe, I think this would pretty much be it now. If Spurs beat us, or well, four points behind them, obviously it's a mess at the moment because no one knows about City's European ban. And, you know, there's, there's just teams everywhere on the same points. But I think if we really, really kind of want to like rubber stamp ourselves, it's kind of going for Europe this season. I think this is probably the game because after this, I mean, no disrespect to other sides, but this is probably this is our biggest game for the rest of the season. So I think it has to be now rather than, you know, the next four games or whatever are left. I mean, we also have Wolves to play with above us as well, but I don't think we'll overtake Wolves. I think if there's a team we can, we've got to play, we can overtake. Well, we've got Sheffield United as well, but this is the, this is the crunch match, I think, if we want to get into Europe. And the, I mean, you can say, like, the Tottenham players are at war and whatever you like, but it's up to Everton players to turn up. And in fairness... The Everton players so far have turned up in the three games we've had. So we've just got to hope that we keep on keeping on. And as far as what we've already seen is concerned, the performances haven't been fantastic. I think we can all agree on that, can't we? Yeah, I think fitness is a massive part of that, to be fair, though. I mean, if I came back from, you know, kind of sitting around doing nothing and then come back straight play football. I mean, I think against Leicester, I think was a brilliant test of our fitness, to be fair, to defend for as long as we did and defend that solidly, obviously conceding that free goal that Terry mentioned. I think that shows, I think we're now up to the fitness level where we can compete in you know, games like this. And as you said about Wolves there, I think I feel like it was kind of a mess for the European race, but I feel like almost like Wolves, United and Chelsea are all kind of going for, if there's one or two Champions League places, and then it's kind of like the rest for whichever Europa League places. So I feel like this is, this is probably our biggest game for the rest of the season in terms of Europa League, I think. Certainly, and I think, Looking ahead, I think we need to start staking these claims. These are the kinds of games where there was a lot riding on it, where we always seem to cave in. Like we we put together a good run of form, and then we'd surrender it by losing a crucial game, and then we were back to square one. If you see what I mean, it was always seemed to be one step forward and two back. But this is this is this will be a good asset test, I think, for how far we've come under Ancelotti this season. To go into a game against a side we've had a bad record against and to maybe turn the tide a little bit. I think this is a massive game for us. Uh, and if Spurs are as much at war as you suggest, Terry, I think it could play a part, but it's up to Everton to seize the initiative then, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're not going to give us it. Like, they've still got, you know, top, top players like Harry Kane, you know, Son... Um, you know, who have yeah, and to be honest, they'll be looking to prove a point um, to Mourinho because you know he's not going to be unpopular with all of them, but you know, he certainly will with some of them. But we just got it, I can see it being a similar game to the Leicester and Liverpool game. You know, we're playing these, let's be honest, they are better teams than us, they've got better players. You know, we've got some good players, but they on, you know, they've got more. Um, so we're gonna have to have one of those, you know, sort of hard work and 
you know, graft in 90 minutes. And and if we can play like we did in those two games, I think, well, obviously Liverpool are, and I think Leicester probably better than, um, probably better than Spurs, certainly this season. Um, so if you can just, you know, repeat that again, you know, get good games out of the, the back four and, and you know, the goalkeeper again, you know, who knows what could happen. The only thing is you, you've got to take your chances when they come because, you know, Jose Mourinho sides, whatever you can say about them, defend well. So if you get a chance to score, you need to take it. You won't get many others. You say they defend well, but they didn't defend well against Sheffield United the other day. Uh, yeah, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, traditionally, you want to, uh, you, you know, the Jose sides are hard to break down. So, I, don't, I mean, it depends how he sets up. He, he could decide he wants to let us have all the ball, and then it's really interesting then, because, you know, we've got, you know, Gomez and Sigurdsson will be much more comfortable if they're on the ball a lot compared to if they're defending a lot. So it just depends. It We know what we're going to do. Our team is very settled at the minute because of the lack of options we've got. And we know how we're going to play and how we're going to set up. Spurs, not so much. You don't really know how Spurs are going to roll in the game. And it's just a case of having to adapt to how they, how they, how they play on the day. This game is literally going to be, I think, for me, I mean, regardless of how Spurs perform, I think if Spurs do turn up, then they'll have a tough game. But if Spurs don't, it's very much going to be the Everton team who decide how this game pans out at the end of the day. Because there's times where we haven't seized the initiative enough, I think, in games where the opposition is underperforming. Um, in When I say that, I mean maybe like what Sheffield United done the other day when maybe a team's head drop, I think sometimes we can actually give confidence back to them sometimes and that's a something that's always got on my nerves. I think that's starting to happen less under Ancelotti and we've got to hope that that's the case again. I think if we do that, I think we've got a really good chance of winning the game. Yeah, me yeah. too. Uh, this, you, you won't get many better chances to exercise one of the many demons that haunt the club than this. Just get a get a win against the, the good sides away and then you can say, right, well, we beat them, we can beat others. That's it. It's getting the getting that sort of ball rolling, isn't it? And this is hopefully going to be the start of it this weekend. We've just got to hope it. Of course, it's on Monday night, isn't it? The yeah. Spurs game. But I think Carlo did his presser this morning and that's what we're going to look into now is obviously the team side of things. He gave a few injury updates. Jibril Sadibi's back. And Richarlison looks like he's going to be fine as well. He went off with a knock, of course, against Leicester. But he looks like he's going to be fit as well. So that's a massive boost, obviously. Uh, in, case you, in case you were wondering, Jean-Philippe Obama's not going to be fit for this game. And neither is Theo Walcott or Fabian Zell. Just in, just in case you needed that clarifying. Uh, but Richarlison's back. And I think that's the one that everyone was really keeping an eye out for. And Do you think he'll start the game? Yeah, I think so. If he's if, he, if he's a if he's awake, he's starting the game. There's no way he's our best player. <laughs> yeah, and if and if he needed a rest somewhere else, you've got to you've got to rest him in the games after this. If if, if he's fit enough, he's he's got to be playing. We can't really be starting him on the bench at the moment. We can't afford that against a team like Spurs away. Absolutely, no, we will yeah. we will have to do we will have to do some rotation eventually. We're playing the same like eleven, twelve players every game, and we're getting away with it. But you know. We will, uh, we will probably see eventually, you know, Richarlison rested and like Boyce Keane starts or, you know, Yeti Mead will start starting games. We're going to see a little bit of rotation eventually, but not at this point. We're too, 
I think if we lose a game, if we lose this game, sorry, you'll start to see loads of rotation just to get fitness up because they'll have probably decided, yeah, we, we're it. starting from there. Call it a day on Europe, maybe. Yeah, because if we lose this game, we can't afford to, to be losing games to the teams around us because we're starting from further back. So we need to be making up this ground. You know, if we you know, if we beat Tottenham we're right in the mix. If Tottenham beats us, we're probably just fighting to be in the top ten at that point and then you can start, you know, like starting players who, you know, just need a bit of fitness and what have you. But if, in, until such a time I don't see him rotating much unless enforced because the games are all crucial, but he, he will start doing it later down the season because there's just no way he can't. It'd be good to see Moyes Keane start a game though, and see what he could conjure up for us. Yeah. Um, he's playing better than he did against Norwich, then I'm fine with that. I mean, he's, he's an enigma, isn't he? He's been terrible in some games, but then he was quite good against Newcastle. It, it, it's, it's early days for him. He's only a kid. So like he, you know, I know people are sick of hearing that, but you know, Calvert-Lewin is right there as an example of if you 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 know you wait and you give players time to adapt and develop. It can happen for them. Might not take as long as Calvert Lewin. Might take longer. It might never happen. But you, I'd like to find out. But it doesn't mean he needs to be thrown in too early because right now I think coming off the bench, we've got two strikers who are better than him and performing better than him. I think that's the best position for him. Come on late in the game, but he needs to do better than he than he did against Norwich because he was he wasn't good. Yeah, he, he harmed the team performance. He needs to be coming on and being the best player the second he gets on to make a point. So, yeah, I think that's you think sometimes I think he tries too hard to prove his point, and I think that led to a lot of the mistakes he made in that Norwich game. Certainly, the taking players on on the edge of his own area, I don't approve of that. My heart he got away with that one because he got away with that one because he got the free kick up the pitch. But um, oh, it was utter lunacy. We we. My heart stopped when he done it. I was like, "What are you doing?" And yeah, it's just it's things he needs to learn. He needs to learn quick because he won't get away with it. You know, this season he's probably going to get away with it because Carlos come out and said next season's a fresh start for him. If he's still doing that next season, then it's you know he won't he won't have any forgiveness from anyone at that point. But this season, I think he's getting a bit of a free pass and a free hit, Yeah, he's lucky to get that because it's an unforgiving league, the Premier League. I think as a different Same. manager. Might not be the same because Carlo's got experience with you know so many players and he's obviously Italian as well. He probably sat and spoke to him and said, "Listen, there's no rush. You need to just work hard and, and see what you can do." Definitely, and mm-hmm. I think just before we finish, there's obviously going to be a little bit of a sad show going into this game. Uh, Andre Gomez is back against Son. Remember yeah, that? I mean, I, mean, I thought I think. I think most people have moved on from that now. I mean, I'm I'm glad we got him back so quickly, and it it definitely shouldn't be kind of the focus of the game. I know the media will, will love that one. I mean, the commentators will come up with this. Yeah, like, oh, a few people have put a few people have put it on Twitter here and there. Who's going to be the player who puts one on Son in the first? I don't think anyone's going to do that, especially not Seamus Coleman at, at the end of the day. No, so. Seamus Coleman will go and give him a hug instead. <laughs> oh, yeah, hopefully, if someone does put one on him, it's Duncan Ferguson in the warm up anyway. Oh, yeah, no, I, 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 um. I think it'll all be sweetness and love that. I think they'll all, you know, it'll be such a good show of sportsmanship. What I'd like to see is, I'd, you know, it, if if he can, if it's in him, because he obviously doesn't seem fit. I'd like to see Andre Gomez boss the game to sort of make the point. Like, I'm back. Like, he's, he's been, he's, he's worked hard in these games, but he hasn't been his old self. He hasn't been that Andre Gomez of, like, the Pickford derby, where he was just a baller and none of the Liverpool players could get the ball off him. He hasn't seemed as strong or as, like, 
um, as good as that since he's come back from the injury. That's fine. It's a major injury. Players don't come back. But we touched on the narrative of the Premier League before. Wouldn't it just be fitting if Andre Gomez came into this game and just ran the game? Certainly. Uh, another, another Portuguese player inflicting some misery on the Portuguese manager again. Score predictions, guys? 2-1, uh, Everton. I think, we'll, I, think we'll, I think it would be similar to the last game. I think we'll get two goals. They'll come back at us and then, and then we'll defend for the rest of the game. I'm happy with that, to be fair. I mean, people were complaining about Leicester performance in the second half, but I mean, I'll, I'll happily take that against a side who's third in the table, to be fair. I mean, my, I'll just complain about my blood pressure, to be honest with you. But... Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I was sat on the edge of my seat, but I'd much rather we did that than leave ourselves open, to be fair. And I think it might be more of that against Spurs if, if we do score early. Certainly. Teddy, what about you, prediction? No, I've just spent the last half an hour saying how we need to win and it's a good opportunity where I'm going to go for a draw because what <laughs> I think we need to do and what I think will happen are two different things. I'm going to, I'm going to, be, uh, I'm going to sit on the fence and be a bit of a shit house and uh, go 1-1. One, one. Okay. Well, I'm going, to go with, I'm going to go slightly in between. I'm going to say we don't score that many, but I think we'll win. I'm going to go with an horrible, gritty, ugly 1-0 win. I think that's... That's how I think we're going to go about this game, to be honest with you. I think it's not going to be pretty, but hopefully the new, improved, pretty shithouse Everton will um, shithouses that we um, have in defence now uh, are very miserly and won't give anything away. Hopefully that might be enough, might get a clean sheet and you know just do enough to get the win. I think 1-0... It's going to be a tight game, though. It's going to be a very tight game, I reckon. Well, for you podcast listeners, it's the end of the show, of course. No quiz, unfortunately, today. But, of course, we have to find a song to finish the show. And given Teddy did it two weeks ago, I did it this week. It's time. It's going to be Thomas's turn to pick us a song to see us out. Thomas, what have you got on that? What have you got? in store for us at the end of this show? Um, it's, it's, not, it's not something that I think we'll usually hear, but I'll keep it up. Move on up by Curtis Mayfield. It's obviously oh. a hope, hope we can move on up the table, so let's just, let's just put that one at the end. Probably a bit more upbeat than the, the songs I've picked in the past. It's a lot more upbeat than most of the songs you pick. It's certainly yeah. a lot more upbeat than most of Terry's back catalogs anyway. <laughs> uh, so there you have it guys I'm going to finish off with Curtis Mayfield move on up hopefully everyone will move on up the table this week there you go guys thank you for tuning in on the Toffee Blues we'll see you later just move on toward your destination though you may find from time to time complication
Just move on! 